Hey there, welcome to the Podcast Manager Show. If there is one thing that I talk to my students about on a regular basis, it is processes. And the reason that we talk about processes so much is because of our collective desire to run businesses that give us peace and not chaos. (laughs) So that we can have consistent work and consistent pay and therefore show up big in the other places of our lives. So it was a no-brainer to bring on Melissa Morris, who is the founder of the Agency Authority, a project management operations consultancy, to talk about this exact topic. In this chat with Melissa, we talked about how we have this natural tendency to over-deliver, how we can use automation to our benefit, because yes, hello, if we can use automation, we will, but we don't want to rely on it for everything. And ultimately, we have a really great conversation about establishing clear client management processes, communication, and boundaries, which is one of our favorite topics to talk about here on the show. So without further ado, let's go talk to Melissa about processes and how they can help us run a peaceful business. Hey there, I'm Lauren, and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Melissa, it is so great to have you on the show today. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. We are going to be diving into processes and operations, something that you know so deeply in order for us to really run like peaceful businesses, which I'm sure, you know, hearing that word, like I want to run a peaceful business, I'm sure that resonates with our listeners. So before we jump into that, I would love to hear how you got started working online. Well, you set it up perfectly because peaceful business is a big part of the reason. So I worked for about 10 years in ad agencies. And, you know, sometimes those agencies can get a bit of a stigma of, you know, kind of long hours, not as great pay. And I will say I did really love my job, but the agency I was with at the time that I decided to shift was a little bit of that. Like pay was not great. Um, They were really wanting me in the office. I had just had my second baby And I was really craving some flexibility. I wanted some space and, you know, a business and work experience that filled my soul, but also fit my lifestyle of wanting to be present, you know, and having that time with my kids. So I left the ad agency and I was serving as somewhat of like a marketing consultant of sorts for businesses in town. And what I actually uncovered as I was offering marketing guidance and marketing support is that they actually had a lot of challenges with um, managing capacity, going out of scope. And when I say going out of scope, I mean, doing that work we're not getting paid to do. And they also were suffering from clients who maybe were asking a lot of them and missing deadlines. And it was really stressful for them. And the role I had at the agency when I worked there was as like an account manager. So keeping to that timeline, keeping within budget and really working to manage our clients and manage those expectations and holding those boundaries was something I was really good at. 
um, and had a lot of practice in. And so I started to help those business owners with that type of work and started to shift away from marketing. And, you know, seven years later, here we are, we're agency authority, and that is our jam now. We really love helping business owners get streamlined, get automated, and start building a business that supports them and their clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, when the marketing is working and they're they're taking on more clients, it just doesn't feel like more work. It's like they can actually... You know, we talk about like streamline and scale and, you know, obviously they're buzzwords, but they have me- <laughs> they have real meanings as well. And it's hard to scale when you don't have, I mean, it's impossible to scale if you don't have processes in place without losing your sanity for sure. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Now, I love what you said there about you were seeing these businesses that were over-delivering. Can you tell us about how we can avoid, I mean, I know that's a natural tendency for so many of us, especially if you identify as a people pleaser or or just you just really want to deliver a high value service. And you're like, where's the line of over delivering and high value? That's such a great question. And it's absolutely something I see. And I think it happens for a variety of reasons. As you said, like we want to do a good job. We want to offer a really valuable client experience. Sometimes too, it's that mindset thing as those prices are increasing, as our experience is increasing, we're feeling like, oh, but if I'm going to charge this, I have to answer this email right away. And the truth is you don't. And I would say there are definitely things you can put in place to start protecting yourself from feeling like you have to over deliver and still giving the client exactly what they were expecting, exactly what they were hoping for and leaving them feeling really, really good about working with you. And that starts actually with a really solid client onboarding process, because what you're doing during that onboarding process is is you're making it very, very clear what the deliverables of that service offering include. And when you're being very clear upfront about what is included, and sometimes even sharing what is not included, if it can feel confusing to your client, letting them know what's not included, that immediately keeps them from asking. And then when they're not asking, you're not left feeling guilty and thinking, well, I didn't really say that wasn't included or, you know, it really won't take me that long to do it. So maybe I'll just do that quick little thing for them. So just being really, really clear about what's included in your package and making sure your client knows that right out of the gate can start to just not put you in the position to even have to have that conversation, which I think is always what's most ideal is setting that clear expectation right away. And so if you can be really clear about what's included and not included in your service offering and right away, be really clear about how you're going to communicate with them, how long it's going to take you to get back in touch with them. Same, same. If I say right out of the gate in a welcome package or in a welcome email, and I say that I'm going to need 48 hours to get back to you, when that email comes in, I don't think, oh, I have to respond right away or they're going to think I don't care or that I don't, I'm not paying attention. We've already told them. And so you just, I think the best way is to avoid putting yourself in that situation to start. And then it just feels better because you're really clear on on what the client's expecting. The client's really clear on like the rules of engagement here. And so it really just reduces any opportunities for you to start over delivering or start um allowing that encroachment of boundaries. Yes. Oh, expectations are are everything. 
appropriate expectations are everything. Now, one thing that popped in my head when you're talking was like that tendency to, okay, you say that you're going to get back to them in 48 hours, let's say, but they're a new client and you're excited to just talk to them maybe. So you get, you have that, you still have that feeling of like, oh, they messaged me. I want to get back to them right away. Do you recommend that like we kind of hold off so that all of our clients are getting the same experience? Do you know what I'm saying? Like the new clients get responded to faster and the older clients, they get, they're more on that 48 hour mark. What's your thoughts on that? I'm always really intentional about that. And because I feel that way too, like I, and especially a new client, I want them to feel excited. I want them to know we're really pumped to be working with them. And so I will be very mindful and I may, with the first email, go ahead and give them that quick response, but then I'm very careful to not do it with the second one. And it is on purpose because what you could end up doing is when that new client comes on, you're excited, they're excited, all the questions, there's a lot of that onboarding energy going on and it could be really easy to start really responding very quickly. But then what happens is now you've set a bad precedent. And it's like, when does that that switch flip? Right. Is it when you get another client and they feel that? Instead, yes. if you just like, if you just keep it at, let's say, let's say you promise 48 hours, but you really actually try to go for 24. Okay, then you may kind of maintain your 24. Sometimes you, it's 48 when things pop up, but it's never like one hour. <laughs> Yes. And I'm very careful of that. And, you know, and sometimes my, you know, the clients and the the business owners I work with will say, but what if I'm just there and it's really easy for me to answer? And I get that too. Like, it also doesn't make sense. You're in your inbox. It's there. Why would I like inconvenience myself by yeah. not answering it and coming back later? Um, and so I think there's a couple of things you can do in that moment too. Like, obviously don't wildly inconvenience your own self <laughs> to, to hold this firm boundary. Um, but you can say things like, hey, you caught me right while I was at my desk. Let me go ahead and answer that for you really quickly. Mm -hmm. Because we're letting them know, right? Like, I happen to be here. I can jump on this within 15 minutes, but I'm not going to promise that I can always get to this in 15 minutes, right? And it's just a simple few words that you're throwing in, right? Or what I've done sometimes is if it is maybe um, kind of getting later in the day and I'm going through them quickly, or it is in the middle of the afternoon and I've seen them hit and I'm like, I know I've already like responded to an email from them. And now a couple hours later, I get another one. I may respond and then schedule it. And that mm. one's going to go out in the morning mm. Mm -hmm. because yeah. then it's off my plate. I don't have to worry about it. I'm there. I'm ready to tend to it. But again, I'm not setting a bad expectation. So I think it's just being intentional, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I get that because sometimes like, you know, you start feeling like email is like direct message if you're yes. pinging back and forth. And that's not how I like my email to, to feel like email is more of like thoughtful, in my opinion. So right. versus like a, you know, a DM on Slack or Vox or wherever, mm -hmm. whatever, that's more of like, you're, you're quicker back and forth. So yeah, if you feel like you're almost getting into an exchange where it's like, back and forth, you might want to kind of slow it down so that maybe they can solve some of the problems on their own. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And sometimes too, that's as easy as if, you know, you've sent an email and they pop back. Like right away, right? Like with part two of the question or whatever. Yeah. Um, sometimes what I'll do is say, 
hey, you know, I'm about to jump into another project. I'm going to get back to this tomorrow though. Like I got it. Yes, this is a great question. Let me get, you know, I've got to pop off and do something else real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes, it, you know, I'll say like, hey, that's really great. Um, let's talk about this during our call in the morning. Like if, we're, if you're literally going to see me, I'm not going <laughs> to spend 30 minutes in this back and forth email exchange with you when we can talk about it in three business hours, you know, yeah. like in the morning, right? Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll do things like that. And I I will say, I've never had somebody be upset about that. And I, and I don't think anybody's even trying to take advantage. They're there, yes. they're working on it. They're answering, you know, they're going to ask their questions and they're like, oh, cool. I've caught you while you're at your desk. Why wouldn't we continue this exchange? And so just stating, right, I've got to pop off and do something else, or let's save this for our call in the morning or our call later this afternoon. I I just don't think there's harm in that. Yeah. I think that's a good reminder too that most of the time there's absolutely no ill intention on the, or there's not ill, yeah, there's not ill intention on the the annoying things that our clients can do. (laughs) Like email us too much or, you know, pay late or whatever. It's like, no, there just needs to be a system in place so that, you know, they can get their questions answered or that they can pay on time. Like that, that's a good reminder that it's just, they're not trying to, they're not trying to ask for more in most cases. They're actually don't know what's included in the pack package, like you said. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Or sometimes I, like, I remember one client, she was like, I don't know this. What, speaking of one of her clients, she says, they just always email me on Wednesday afternoons. And that's when, you know, we're, you know, getting ready for a Bible study or we're going to my son's baseball game or, and I really like to have, I like to end a little early on Wednesdays, but they're just always emailing me and I've got to email them back. And I said, well, did you tell them that, you know, you really like to wrap up a little early on Wednesdays because you have these other commitments that are important to you? Well, no. Okay. Well, they don't know. Like they don't know that that's what you're getting ready to go and do. And I'm like, I bet if you told them, they'd say, oh gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize this can totally wait mm-hmm. until tomorrow. We're putting that pressure on ourselves. Totally. And so that comes all the way back to like, if you get a clear onboarding process in place and get that put together and you know what you're communicating to them, those expectations you're setting, and you're really clear on what work you're about to deliver for them, we don't have to worry about these things to start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what about, let's say you, you, you know, you have this onboarding experience and it feels good. It, it's good for like 90% of your clients, right? But then it's it's not enough for 10%. Like there's that, there's a, a client that's a little extra needy or they're a little bit more of a micromanager or there's just something. <laughs> or maybe they have like a much bigger business than you work for normally. So, you know, you're working with, you're not actually working directly with the client, you're working with a team. And so things are just different. How do you you know, kind of make accommodations for that when you don't exactly know what you're getting yourself into in the very beginning? Uh, I love that you asked me this question because I get asked this all the time, especially when I'm working with a business owner to get their onboarding automated and get some things automated and put in place because that's often a question or concern. Well, most of the time it's like this, but there is this outlier situation. Or I have this one client who is a little bit different. And first, I would say it's really normal as our businesses are growing, as we may be working towards niching or specialization in services, we may have some legacy clients that we really enjoy working with, but don't maybe quite fit exactly how things are starting to look. That's okay. 
that is okay. I don't say get rid of them. I would not recommend forcing them into an automation or a model that doesn't feel right. Yeah. We just have a plan in place for how we're going to address those. And then I would say, I would though recommend you start looking at, especially as you're working towards streamlining and creating a process, standardization is key. That is how, that is like almost the synonym of streamlining is getting it standardized, right? That's how you're going to be able to automate, delegate, get support in your business. So you do need to start working towards that. But I would say, even if you can start, I tell a business owner, even if you can start where maybe 50 or 60% of your clients are funneling through a certain automation or a certain systematized workflow, how much time would that save you? And they always say, oh gosh, that would save me hours. Cool. Let's start there. Like, let's start there. That's a win. That's a win. That's a massive win. My business owners save a minimum of five hours a week after we get this stuff in place. Think of what you could do with that five hours. And then we work to increase that percentage over time as your income starts to get more consistent, as you sell more of those standardized packages, then you're up to 75%, then you're up to 80%. Will you ever be at 100? Probably not. Because there's always going to be unique situations, but that's okay. But the goal is, I would say, if you can get at least 80% of your clients like flowing through that standard process, that's a really, really big win. Great point. I love that. Now, you mentioned automation. And I can I can imagine that, and I hear from my students that like they want to keep like the heart in their business. Like the, one of the things they love about being a podcast manager is that, you know, they're working closely with the client and not that they're talking to the client that much, but they're working closely with them on getting their message out there. And that's something that really like is very fulfilling. So how can we use automation to our advantage without feeling like we are turning our businesses into a machine that lacks that connection? I do hear that. I often hear from uh, business owners that that's a fear they have, that they're going to feel like a chat bot and everything's automated and their clients aren't going to feel the love or they're going to think, that they don't care. And one of the first questions I ask though is how quickly are you getting? And this is, I would say, particularly in onboarding, because this is often where I'm doing a lot of automation for business owners. When we're doing the contract and that welcome packet and that questionnaire and the deposit email, there's just several emails and things that need to go out in that onboarding process. And so I ask them, what feels more high touch? You rewriting and rewriting and rewriting email every single time, sending it off at weird hours. It may not feel like in a consistent pattern. You may forget a kid gets sick and it doesn't go out, right? Like, does that feel like a high touch experience or an automated email, but they get it right away. It's in their inbox that keeps moving. So I always recommend automate the somewhat like logistical pieces, like invoicing should be automated. Your scheduling should be automated. If it's a form or a contract, that stuff can be automated through canned or templated emails. Save your energy and your um, like creative juices for time with them, for the calls with them, for that kickoff call you're going to have with them. And if you want to send, you know, I've had some business owners saying, well, I really love to just send like a, a just an even personal message. That's like, I can't wait to work with you or a little video. 
that's great. But don't let that be a holdup for the other stuff going out. Like Mm -hmm. that's just a bonus that you can offer them. And then if something happens in life, which it does, right? Mm -hmm. We know the other stuff is going out and they're getting this really great experience. So I say a clearly communicated and um, timely onboarding experience is a high touch, great client experience. Yeah. And and I think hearing that, we can all agree. We can all agree that that's really when we're the client in the situation, right? Like Mm -hmm. just in our lives when we hire people and you know, we would much rather feel like we know what the expectations are. We the communication is clear and then to feel like the person is right there, you know, sitting next to us being our friend or, you know, something like that. So, yeah, it sounds like there really is room to automate, especially like you said, that ongoing process, because I know, you know, some some of my students, it's like we love taking on new clients, but there's also that pressure or the stress of like getting it up and running, mm-hmm. you know, that first week, let's say of getting, getting their passwords and getting into their systems. Yes. And, you know, a little bit of that, like anxiety, performance anxiety of like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. I need to like get their audio and how, what's it going to sound like? And if some of that's automated and we know that like, it's going to land in our, on our inboxes and it's all going to, it's all going to happen. Then we're like, okay, I just need to focus on what I, what I actually have to do, which is not everything. That's exactly right. And there is like, there's always extra work during onboarding. And it's a really important time. This person has trusted you. They've given you money and we really want to deliver and make a really nice experience. So automating where we can, and even just having it clearly defined for ourselves, we're going to do this. And then I know this is going to happen. This is going to happen. You can communicate with that client. Maybe you're really clear about when there's a kickoff call or an intro call, whatever we want to call that. Having that really clearly mapped out is really even a a first step to getting something automated, um, making sure that experience feels really good and starting to take that to to dial down the stress of onboarding and just turn up the excitement, Mm -hmm. right? Like kind of switch those a little bit. Yeah. And then also, you know, going back to like taking on more clients, you know, maybe you think, oh, well, with the way that I'm onboarding now, it it wipes me out. (laughs) It takes a lot of my time. It takes a lot of my energy. So how can I take on two more clients? Like, you know, we we launch podcasts as podcast managers. And I'll talk to my students all the time of what's your capacity to launch a show? Is it one launch a month? Is it two? Because it is very time consuming. Many of us are not time consuming, it's just consuming, (laughs) energy consuming (laughs) more. So, you know, smoothing out these processes and, and all of that does make it just more enjoyable, more peaceful, like we like we're talking about, and that your capacity to do more if you want is there. Exactly. I say client onboarding is like the gift that keeps on giving. Because when you nail that and you get that really smooth, the amount of time it's going to continue to save during the management piece, the actual doing the work piece of that project is tremendous. Because to come all the way back to the beginning of our conversation, we're not dealing with scope creep. Again, those requests that are not included in the deliverables, we're not dealing with that. We're not dealing with excessive emails or clients who are expecting us to respond right away. And if we've mapped it out properly and we have our questionnaires really well-timed or our kickoff call really well-timed, we're not right in the middle of getting something set up and go, oh my gosh, I don't have their login. How did I forget this login? 
And then now you're chasing them down and they're gone for a couple of days and their two-factor authentication is on and you're like, uh, chaos ensues. Um, and so you can avoid all of those things that get really time consuming and energy consuming. Like you said, those are stressful moments. I'm here. I had a plan. I was going to get this done today. I pop it open and go, oh gosh, I don't have the login. Mm -hmm. How did Mm -hmm. this happen? Mm -hmm. Let's come all the way back to client onboarding, make sure that's dialed in. And then you just never, well, never say never, right? But (laughs) you will significantly reduce those snafus that happen um, down the road. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, you're like, just you're taking me into that moment, man. Oh man. Have I, you know, have we, we all been there because we're human. So we forget or something is uh, is different about this client's experience a little bit that, oh, we didn't end up doing this thing. So I didn't get that thing and I didn't think about it. But whenever we make those human errors in our businesses, we can really beat ourselves up because mm-hmm. we and we question like, am I fit for this? Can I do this? Oh, you know what? Just, you know, my my fears of if I was capable enough or that stuff starts to creep in and obviously can get in the way of our success, even no matter how bad we want it. So having these automations set up can save you from yourself, essentially, because we will make mistakes. We're, we're yes. That's the nature of, of us. We will. Yeah, we will totally make mistakes or we'll forget to ask that one thing uh, because we are, we're human. And that's another reason why I love having like a really clear and documented process that we can follow because it takes a load off our memory because it will automate and do some of the things that we don't have to remember to do. And then also when a situation comes up and we think this is just an opportunity for a process improvement. Yes. This isn't me. This like it's starting to shift that mindset. This isn't me. This doesn't mean I I can't do this or I really dropped the ball. This is a moment for me to do a process improvement and review and understand where there was a breakdown and how I can make sure that breakdown doesn't happen again. And when you can look at it that way, it feels far more powerful and you feel far more in control of the situation than when it feels like, oh my gosh, how did I forget? How did I let this happen? Mm -hmm. We're going to be late on the launch. And all the other stuff, you know, the the rabbit hole that we can go down. Yeah, yeah, we, we have to save ourselves from that. Hey there, I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more, learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass, and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. I'm also imagining with this 
the process of just automating in the the onboarding process is, you know, one of the things I hear from my students is they they know the expectations that they want to set. They know the communication boundaries and and all different kinds of boundaries. They they're clear on them. They know what they want and they set them like they're in their contract. They're in their their welcome packet and and they mention it on the call and blah blah blah. But then when it comes to enforcing it, that's whenever it feels it gets sticky because they think of, you know, do I make an exception this time or next time? Do I do this? Do I do that? But having some of these automations in place can keep it so that you, like you said before, with something else, you don't have to actually enforce it because it's just it's enforced in some way. So is there an is there other automations that you use with your clients or something else like this where it's like it saves you from having to have that hard conversation basically it's like don't make me have that hard conversation are are there just other examples that you can think of yeah so and I do want to come back to because this is something I hear a lot and I'm, I'm wondering if it might apply to some of the the listeners is I have worked with business owners and they say well it is in my contract that X, Y, and Z, right? That I have X number of days to respond to them or that that's not included. And I say, well, why don't you remind them of that? And they say, well, you know, it's in this long contract. I don't know that anybody really reads it. I don't know that it was really noticed. So then I I feel bad being like, you know, the contract police, like, didn't you read your contract? And so this is why I really love um, an expectations email or a place where they actually are initialing, so to speak, that says, because I do think, because I've heard this too about like a welcome packet, they'll put together this really beautiful welcome packet. And then they're like, but I'm not sure if they read it. I'm not really sure. Let's make sure. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure. Because there is a chance. Let's be honest. They probably didn't read the whole contract. Probably didn't. (laughs) Yeah. And they they probably jumped to the little bits of the welcome packet that felt exciting because they're busy. And they may have skimmed over or they may have even just forgot. So I think having a spot um, and it doesn't have to be gruff. Like you have your contract, you have your terms and conditions. You can have that in there. This is where Melissa does a disclaimer that I'm not a lawyer, but here are some thoughts. (laughs) And then you can even have a spot down at the bottom that says very quickly, here are just some of the highlights. Mm -hmm. Like this is what's included. This is the turnaround time. This is what's not included initial here. And that sounds like a contract I would want to sign too. Is yes. like, okay, I'm gonna like I mean I probably shouldn't admit this. I'm gonna skim. Uh-huh. I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look yeah. for the things that seem important, right? Yep. If yep. you could summarize for for me at the yes. bottom and make me check. Yeah, that yes. sounds like something, you know, very digestible. Yes, it is. And then we know they looked at it and we feel good about knowing that they looked at it. And then there are some other like tips and tricks and things you can do along the way. Um, So for example, if um, I'm trying to think of a good one, I was working with a designer, so I'll just use that. They only included like three rounds of revisions Mm -hmm. in the contract. So versus waiting until clients wanting four and five and being like, hey, you only get three, lead with, here's your first proof. Okay, here's your second one, final proof for approval. Yeah. Like you're cluing them in of like, oh yeah, I only get three. I read that. I put my initials by it. And now it's very clear. And when I get an email that says final proof, please approve. (laughs) You know, it's final. (laughs) I know. I'm like, oh, this is it. 
if I ask for more, this is supposed to be it. So really keeping them in the loop too along that way, because they may forget again, I don't, I, I like to think most people are good and that, you know, there are some that may try to push the the boundaries, but I, I think some just don't realize. And if we can just keep them updated, then we're all better off. Yeah, totally. And I think what that comes down to is feeling comfortable with your expectations, feeling comfortable with what is in your contract and knowing that like you can ask that you can expect that they will follow that there are, you know, that these boundaries that you have are okay. Like, you know, we we do very limited revisions as podcast managers, just because of the nature of our work. Most of us are releasing episodes every single week. So it's like you can't be doing six rounds of <laughs> audio revisions when right. you, you know, this is just a machine that we're we're moving along, right? And honestly, a lot of us podcast managers love that about it. Like we don't, we're not necessarily ones that want to perfect every single episode like it's a its own masterpiece although you know they are their own masterpieces in a way but anyway you have to feel good about those expectations that you've put in your contract that you've put in you know your welcome packet or whatever and so you can so that when like you're saying when that opportunity comes up to remind them okay yes i'm happy to do this this time do you have any other things that you'd want to revise about this because the next one's going to be our final however you want to word that but when you're comfortable with it I think that's when it comes to mind. Oh, I I can I should say this now because I'm comfortable letting them know that I'm not I can't revise this six times. That's exactly right. And that's too where sometimes some templated style emails, while we wouldn't necessarily automate those, mm. having that template that we can grab or that language that we write once. And yes. then all we have to do is say, go grab that language. I don't have to rewrite it or muster up the courage. Grab that language, put it in there, and I'm good. Yes. That's that's a style of automation. It's like you said it's not it's it's a canned response that you could you can you know you you shift around to make it make sense mm-hmm. but you don't yeah you don't have to say oh, how do I deal with this again? How do I write this? Oh, I'm so uncomfortable saying this. Yeah. Oh, I really want to ask this person how they wrote it. So I'm going to get on, you know, and just kind of make it it, yes. it feels like a bigger deal and you you kind of stretch it out and yeah. And write that email for yourself after a big win. Like when you're feeling good, you're feeling confident, you're feeling strong. You're like, I'm going to write this email. <laughs> I'm going to write all my emails gonna, right now. <laughs> I'm going to write them right now. And then I'm going to save them. So then when it comes and I am in a moment where I'm like, oh, did I, oh, I don't want to do this. It's all uncomfortable. Go, go back to powerful you and inspired you and grab that copy and use it. <laughs> yes. It's making me think of like a, a sound, not a soundtrack, but a, you know, a playlist that you can put together. Yes. I mean, just to do any of those things in your business that you're like, totally. it needs to be done, but I don't necessarily want to do it. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. All right, Melissa, this has been so good. Now, I think we're all like, yes, I'm going to I'm going to sit down and, and look at my processes and see how I can I can improve this to encourage us to do that even a little more. What are some wins that you have seen from your own clients that they've they've come back to you and said, oh, I'm so glad I had some of these processes in place because of of this? Yeah, I would say the two things that they are most excited about and feel like really big wins are when they definitely get more time back, which, you know, should start to feel like a more obvious one. Um, I think I mentioned before, a lot of business owners start saving like a minimum of five hours a week when they can start getting some of this stuff implemented, but also money. So what happens is, is when we send a proposal, we can, we can get in our head about when to follow up or when not to follow up. And when we just have that in place, 
and there's an automated follow-up or an automated check-in going on, and we set that, we can get those conversions without getting in our own way. So I was working with a business owner and we had set this up and we'd been doing some other work together. We were automating her onboarding and and such. And we had that built in. I built that in like a follow-up to the proposal. And I remember getting an email from her and she was like, oh my gosh, like I totally forgot that we built in this follow-up sequence for the proposal. I'd been sitting on it. I was, you know, nervous to follow up. They got the follow-up email and they signed and it was like, good to go. Like, here they are. And I just think, you know, sometimes people forget. They don't realize how much time has passed since you've given that proposal. Maybe they missed it the first time, but we get all in our heads about it. Um, And then we sit on it. We don't follow up. And it's really just a missed opportunity sometimes. And so that too can get us out of our own way, like we were talking about before. And the same thing with your invoices, have an automated follow-up for invoices that aren't getting paid to include that email that says, this is your second reminder or your third reminder, or it's X days past due. If we don't receive payment, you go on hold. Because then again, we don't have to muster up that. We don't, oh, I didn't have time today. I didn't have time today. It all goes out and we don't have to and those are sometimes the emails we want to feel automated because then I can be like, oh, the automation. <laughs> right, that was my team. Email. That, that wasn't <laughs> yeah. me. It was, it was that pesky automation who did it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Even though you're like, but if you could but pay, for, that would be great. But for real, click the button and pay the invoice. <laughs> for real. <laughs> totally. Yes. No, I love that. And like, it's, yeah, it's the time saved and also just that emotional capacity saved so you can show up for your clients. So you can show up with your, you know, that you have that energy to show up for your clients when you, when you are, are, you know, producing their podcast or getting on calls with them or whatnot. So good. Melissa, I would love to know how people can connect with you after the show. Yeah, I would love for you to hop over to the website. You can go to youragencyauthority.com slash learn more. And when you're over there, you can learn more about me, about um, how we help our business owners start saving that time and money. And then there's also some free resources and and such on there that you can just absorb and, and take what you need from. Love it. Awesome. We'll make sure that's in the show notes so people can do that. Thank you so much again for sharing all of this wisdom with us. It's been so good. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.